been talking a lot this year, uh, you know, about the housing market, the challenges in Canada's housing market and what we've seen with reduced affordability right across the country. I mean, the situation does vary uh, from city to city, region to region. But overall, we've got a problem. And are politicians treating it maybe like the crisis that it is? Look at some troubling new numbers out late last week from the Canada Mortgage Housing Corporation Kind of putting things into perspective here, just how big a challenge we face as the population grows, as demand grows, housing starts, unfortunately, are slowing. Yes, the pace of housing starts in Canada fell by 22% year over year in November, according to the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. So why is that? And what do we need to do to turn that around? Well, joining us uh, here this morning for some thoughts, some insight, very pleased to welcome to the program, Dr. Mike Moffat, founding director of the Place Center at the Smart Prosperity Institute, an assistant professor in business, economics, public policy at the Ivy School of Business, Western University. Professor Moffat, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Oh, thank you for having me. Your thoughts or your reaction, first of all, when you saw that number from the CMHC, a 22% year-over-year drop, how surprised were you, first of all? Yeah, unfortunately, not not uh, very. I mean, it is a it is a big drop, but it's what we're kind of hearing on the ground uh, that construction has really slowed down. It's uh, you know we've seen this in, in other months. There's a lot of uh, variability month for month, but if we look over the first eleven months of 2023, we're down uh, across the country about eight percent over last year, despite the fact that we've got record high population growth. So this is a big big issue. Um, that, uh, you know, our population is booming, but our housing starts are moving in the wrong direction. Now, does this have to do with, you know, lack of construction workers, some of those challenges, this kind of a short-term offset or, or impact of, of higher mortgage rates, or what, what explains this? Yeah, so certainly there are uh, issues around uh, labor, you know, getting enough skilled labor, you know, approvals processes and, and, and things like that. Those continue to be issues. But the big thing in 2023 is those higher interest rates uh, because they're affecting both the supply and demand on the market. That uh, for home buyers, they're, you know, kind of sitting on the sidelines because they're not able to qualify for mortgages, mortgages at these high interest rates. But we also have to understand that uh, builders and developers pay those interest rates on construction loans. So they're kind of on the sidelines as well saying, well, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to be paying, you know, many cases, double digit uh, interest rates on a construction loan. If I can wait a year or two and then build then and hopefully uh, rates are lower. So it really is those higher interest rates affecting both the, the supply and demand uh, for new housing. Right. And, and clearly that shouldn't give us any sense of false sense of confidence. Well, OK, you know, demand is, is softening. Maybe we're starting to address this issue. I mean, you know, longer term, that, that demand's not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like a pressure cooker effect that all of those first time home buyers are, you know, still renting their apartments or, or still living with mom and dad and so on. So it's not so much eliminating the demand as just postponing it. So you, we very well may see as interest rates fall, as the economy improves over the next couple of years, all of those first time home buyers go back onto the market. Uh, without that inventory for them to buy. So, you know, we very well may be setting ourselves up for the next housing boom or housing bubble, however we want to describe it. The CMHC has warned, you know, about how much we need to be building to try to maintain some level of affordability. So what kind of a, a disconnect do we now have between what we need and what we actually have? Yeah, we're moving farther and farther away. Uh, CMHC estimates we need to build an additional three and a half million homes over nine years 
uh, above and beyond the sort of two to two point two million we would normally build in that span. So basically, more than doubling housing construction. So you know we have to increase by about one hundred and fifty percent. And this year we're down by eight percent. So this is this is a huge issue, and I, I really worry about what what this means, particularly for the lower end of the market, uh, because the the home ownership market obviously affects the rental market. That uh, you know you have more renters out there, and we're not building a lot of rental stock. So we're seeing rents surge across the country, and I don't see that getting better anytime soon. I mean, it does seem like governments are trying to address this, and, and maybe part of the problem is they're a little late coming to the table with all of this. But the federal government has rolled out a whole you know, host of, of different policy initiatives. Provincial, municipal governments are doing the same. Is it that these ideas aren't working or just that they take some time to work? Yeah, so I, I think it's a few of those things. that They, they do take some time to kick in. So you know, a few months ago, we just had the announcement uh, that the federal government is removing the GST on uh, purpose-built rental apartment construction. That's a fantastic idea. That just got through Parliament, uh, I think, last week. So, you know, that takes some, some time to kick in. Uh, we have seen other initiatives by all three orders of government, and some of those are, I, I would suggest, working. And it may be what's causing the situation not to be even worse. Because it's essentially the, the challenge we have that our sort of political conditions and our policy is encouraging more building, but our economic uh, conditions are kind of pulling us in the direction of, of building less. So there is this kind of off, offsetting effect. You know, again, I'm hopeful as the economic conditions improve, we start to see more building, but then we start to run into those other bottlenecks you mentioned that, you know, we're not going to be able to, um, you know, find all the electricians and plumbers and roofers we need once the economic conditions uh, encourage people to build more. I mean, is it realistic to think that, you know, we can use immigration policy to try to target those specific needs? I mean, if we're having more ambitious targets, if we're going to be bringing in, uh, you know, larger numbers of, of immigrants, permanent residents each year, is it possible that we can prioritize those skills? Yeah, and I, I definitely think we should. Uh, right now, uh, if we look at the sort of immigration pool, about 1% of the folks uh, that, that we bring in, you know, end up in the construction trades. 50 years ago, that would have been 4 or 5%. Yeah. So it, I, I do think we need to look at reforming this, that our immigration system over the last 40 years has really advantaged bringing in white-collar workers like me, you know, university professors and so on, um, and has disadvantaged bringing in folks like my dad, who was a, a sheet metal worker who did HVAC work in, in apartments. So I think we need to revisit that and, uh, you know, start to tweak our point system, to start to tweak our program, in order to uh, scale up the, the skilled trades and, and bring in the, those folks that we really need to build these houses. Yeah, and I, you know, it is a longer-term dilemma for Canada in, in needing our population to grow and needing to maintain productivity, sustain a, a large enough tax base, but it, it is putting a lot of pressure on housing, and I, you know, it almost feels like maybe there is a building backlash uh, against immigration, which is probably not good in the long run. So how do we mitigate the, you know, the impacts on the demand side? Yeah, well, I think one of the things that we need to do is look not so much at immigration, um, which is kind of permanent residency, but we have a lot of non-permanent programs that don't count towards our 500,000 immigration targets. So things like temporary foreign workers, international students, and, and that kind of thing, uh, th those kind of populations. I do wonder if we should, uh, well, I actually believe we should be scaling scaling those back because those have grown 
uh, quite large recently. And I think that, you know, the general public doesn't make that distinction between international students and, and immigration. So, you know, I think our immigration system is mostly working, then we need to mm-hmm. tweak our point system. But just the massive boom we've seen in temporary foreign workers and international students isn't sustainable. And I think we do need to look at scaling those programs back. Is there anything we're missing right now on the policy side uh, beyond just, you know, a sense of urgency? But are are there some ideas that you would like to see or can we look across the country? Are are there cities or jurisdictions that maybe we can take a cue from? Yeah, I I think there's stuff we could learn across the board. So British Columbia, uh, for instance, and and somewhat surprisingly, the the NDP government in in B.C. is, is taking a very free market approach to a lot of their uh, housing policy through uh, through upzoning, uh, you know, being able to do more by rights, uh, liberalizing the kinds of apartments you can build, the kinds of apartment uh, design. So they're, you know, doing some uh, really innovative things. You know, here in Ontario, we had a, a task force report with a series of recommendations. So I do think there's a lot we can do. I think there's more the federal government can do. I think the uh, GST piece was a fantastic one, but we need to also reform other parts of our tax system. We really place high taxes on uh, building uh, new new housing and apartment buildings. And I don't think that's that's appropriate. Uh, you know, I often joke that we we treat uh, building homes the same way we treat alcohols and cigarettes. You know, we 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 tax them quite heavily, and then we're surprised when uh, uh, we don't see as much of them. We'll see what 2024 has in store. Mike, appreciate the insight. Thanks so much for joining us here this morning.